Welcome back. You're listening to the Israel Victory Podcast here in beautiful Jerusalem. The Israel Victory Podcast is a joint project between the Middle East Forum in Israel and Galei Israel radio station in their beautiful studios in Jerusalem, Israel. Today is June 5th, 2019, the second day of the Jewish month of Sivan. I'm Daniel Seaman, the director of the Middle East Forum in Israel. Here with me today are the two lovely ladies, uh, Daniela Traub. Hello, everybody. Yes, my good friend and our resident expert on everything. (laughs) And Rochelle Tuitu, my colleague with the Middle East Forum. I want to thank Michael Alkerman, who is responsible for this actually happening here today. So thank you, Michael. Oh, a lot of things happened since our program last week. The, we, at that time, we weren't sure where Israel is going politically. And now we know. And now we know. Now elections we know. it is. It's elections again. For those of you who don't really understand how this system works, Netanyahu, yes, he was elected, what was it, two months ago almost, mm-hmm. and was given uh, a period of time to set up a government. He did not succeed. Though he had a majority, he did not reach an agreement with the other parties. And instead of wasting more time, because no other party had the opportunity, we can all agree on that. that yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, the absolutely. general agreement. Um, though the president, uh, who can uh, give somebody else in the Israeli politics the opportunity to form a coalition, in this case, everybody knew it would be a waste of time. So we're wasting our time in another way. We're going to elections now once again that will be held. Time on this, and money. Time and money to, will be held with the hope that um, we can somehow form a coalition after the elections in three months, so almost 100 days. So 102, three days, mm-hmm. 110 days, I believe. September so 19th, I think. 17th, 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 yes. So that's before the holidays and before it will be in these elections, in this election period. Thoughts on this or explanations So of your thoughts? So before we get into the topics of today, I think just to give our listeners some understanding and our thoughts about it. So. Um, it is a bit worrying. Not that Benjamin Netanyahu won't re-win this election. Do we all think that they're going to, the the right wing is going to win? I think the right wing is going to win because of demographics. Um, I don't think that in three months the left wing will take over 10, 15 more mandates than what they actually have right now. I think most of the country is still right wing. Saying that, I'm not sure that Benjamin Netanyahu will actually manage to form the coalition the second time and then that actually that they will um, manage to, uh, probably the Likud will ask him to step down. Well, this, this is the way this is going to be conducted. If he needs 61 seats to have a majority, right now we know that Lieberman is going to give him a hard time. So if he doesn't get that 61 without Lieberman. Yeah, well, it also depends how much Bennett, if Bennett will run together with Fagelin, how much they will, how many mandates they will receive. That's also a question. The the main question is either uh, the right wing's uh, voters are going to lose their voices in, uh, their votes, sorry, uh, in small parties. Yeah, if they break if up, they, into if they do the same s- mistake again, well, let's yeah. hope we'll the be. left wing will break down to small parties. Yeah, like it seems like it's going to happen right now with uh, Tzipi Livni and Ehud Barak. Ehud Barak uh, is a former par- prime minister, head of the Labour Party. He has announced that he's going to r- may ri- run again. It maybe just give him he exposure. Does, he does a favor to the right wing. Uh, Absolutely. Also, Tzipi. Yeah, there are people that are following her. Um, but she's very unpopular. Yes, yes and no. I, I do think they would have gotten more mandates, the Labour Party, if Tipi would have ran together really? yes, with Gabay. So. Yes, I don't, think, I don't so. think so. I think Gabay was considered within the left wing 
as an infiltrator, not part of them. No, not part of consider like that. Yeah. that. And Tsipi Livni isn't. Tsipi Livni is completely on she the was, left. But she was side. With, she no, was but she's discredited. She's very discredited. People do not like her, but they are, for our listeners. I don't know. For my, our, my circle in Tel Aviv. Does. Ah, you're in Tel Aviv. So, but we know that there's the Israel that, and then there's Tel Aviv. Yes, but those are the ones. That's the million and something people that, that actually for vote them? for the left. So, so yes, I do believe that if Eud Barak and Tipi Livni go in, even if they <laughs> don't pass um, and don't get into the Knesset, they they'll will still away. they'll take away votes yeah. from uh, Kachol Avan, blue and white, and that's. Uh, I think another factor that will determine uh, the outcome of these elections is also the tactic, the campaign strategy that that the Likud will hold. Help, yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know it. yet, well, let's but, hope but it's let's say be. let's say that they will have to face uh, a very. A fierce Lieberman, yeah. and uh, and he's right be now, attacking them. right now he he's polling twice as much as he had. Uh, but again, yeah, from, the left, nice polling, from well, the left, people from the left that's that suddenly are embracing him. That's absolutely great. The Likud is actually going up in the polls, meaning that the mandates are taken from the left wing, taking it from uh, blue and white, and that's again good for the right. I, I want to go to something that, that Daniela said before that this could be, and this is something that our listeners and a lot of people in the United States are constant. They all know Netanyahu. There's either. Netanyahu, and then there's nobody as far as they're concerned, not only politically, but they just don't know who's in Israeli politics, and can anybody fill the stature of Netanyahu? And and you said, and I happen to agree with you surprisingly on this, Daniela, is that if he cannot form a government, we will not go to new elections. The Likud, and I and I'm I within. think, and I think the right wing will have a majority here, and the Likud will maybe even increase its power. But if he cannot form a government without Lieberman. Um, he will be asked to he'll step be down. He'll be asked to step down. Then yeah. they. That's not a bad thing. But look, he's been ten years. If it was four years, I would say, and he still hasn't finished. There's a lot left for him to do. But there, are, and here's what I was. Who else do we have? Well, that, well, who, who do you first, think first of could all, be elected? He, he's a great leader. Yeah, um, we all agree. On I that. admire him. Saying that ten years, a long time. There's right. a lot of things that aren't being dealt with and have to be dealt with, and maybe somebody else will put their focus on things like. Taking uh, care of what's happening in the south here in Israel, in the Galilee. Things of sovereignty in uh, sovereignty, Israel. Sovereignty, absolutely. The, uh, in in, in the, south Tel Aviv, there's, there's yeah, a lot of things that have workers. to be exactly taken care of and aren't. And, and Benjamin Netanyahu is absolutely Also ignoring. with Gaza, also with Hamas. Exactly. And a lot of Israelis are not pleased with and his core supporters from the south. For your second question, Danny, um, there is Yuli Edelstein in the Likud party. That He's the chairman of the Knesset who, the chairman right now. Who, of the Knesset. I don't think he has any chance of... Uh, he was number one there. within Likud. Listen, the, the election within Likud will be, because the one who the biggest party, will, we all agree, is most likely, and this is not going out on a limb here, we all agree that most likely it will be Likud, unless something unforeseen happens between now and September. And then if Bibi cannot form the government, they'll say we're not going to elections, the, gov- the party will decide to ask him to move aside or step down. He'll probably step down. And then the Central Committee of Likud will vote for who will be the party leader to conduct the negotiations and be prime minister. If Yuli Edelstein ended up number one in the internal Likud elections, it's it's possible to think of him it's as that. It's possible, but uh, for as a person that knows how uh, the system of the Likud yeah. is, is, it can change all the time. Right, and they, they, they can turn uh, decisions and, and their so-called laws um, so to their benefits. So I don't believe... Ho- that who do you think? If not Yuli Edelstein? Well, uh, Gidon Saar is a potential. Yes. No, and you usually are going to say that. I'm really hoping that won't happen. Um, well, I, I agree I, I with think you. He, I think he sort of burned himself with some of the... He did. BB, he did. BB will still have a, a word on who's going to be chosen there. and uh, Maybe, maybe not. 
We don't know. That's we don't true. Know. We're, we're, we're assessing now just so that people know who are listening let's to us say, know what other options like are there. It's a general line, and that's my personal belief. Uh, Israelis in general, and I think it's also uh, the same thing for Likud members, we have short memory, <laughs> short-term memory. Sadly, unfortunately, it's true. Today, Gidon Saar, uh, he's seen as... Undermining maybe uh, a little... Ostracizing, that's how you say yeah. in English, uh, uh, the Likud, and, and, and people don't like the way he acts uh, lately. But maybe in, in a month from now, or two months from now, in the midst of the campaign election, that, that will change. But, but that's, that's again what's going to happen in the campaign. Right. Also exactly, that's what I said earlier. Yeah, ex- exactly, that's yeah. why I'm coming back to it, because also internally, because maybe people don't remember, but be sure that they will be reminded. Oh, yeah. There'll be those who want to remind it. And we know that... And it's going to be a much dirtier campaign than we had well, last oh, time. Yeah, if they, if a replacement horrible. as the leader... It was oh, such be a horrible, more. horrible campaign. Listen, Yuli, last, last, Yuli Edelstein last year, they had this situation with the Independence Day that um, he went head-to-head against Miri Regev, mm-hmm. who was the was minister... Was a big clash. Yeah, there was a big clash between them. And he stood up against her and Netanyahu... Actually, people may be looking for a st- strong leader to represent, so this could actually work to his benefit. He, it's he hard to say. He doesn't have the charisma to do that. Sorry. I, I worked for, listen, I have to admit, I worked for Yuli for a few years, and when I was working for the Prime Minister's office, I was the Deputy Director General of Yuli's ministry at the time. Um, he is smart. He is knowledgeable. He is dedicated. He is, he is a settler. He, yeah, he lives in uh, Judea and Samaria, um, religious. Uh, he's been the head of the Knesset. Also Lieberman. <laughs> Lieberman is not religious. He doesn't wear a cap. But Yuli does symbolize unity. And this may be after a very difficult campaign. And it's been a campaign of nine months. It's going to end up being nine months of campaigning. People, I think, will want somebody who unifies. But that's our estimate. We don't, we don't assume just to give people names. Any other name that you can think of besides Gidon Saar or Yuli Edelstein? Somebody that may have a chance... That, that's the problem with the Likud. <laughs> I wish Amir Ochana, but he's yeah, too down, I down like in, the, right, he's in the ranking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's young, he's young. He th- still that's has that's sure. the problem with the Likud, and that's, that's basically what most Likud voters and, and sem- sympathizers uh, deplore. Uh, Netanyahu doesn't prepare the, the aftermath of yeah, Netanyahu. Who, what leader does have to do that? He doesn't even let uh, new leaders to form and to, to I, grow. I do think that that's why he's he prime wants, if he wants his legacy to go on, he does have yeah, to groom. That would be smart. Uh, yeah, exactly. He has to he has groom to be smart. people that come after him. He's not going to be there forever. And I think now he's maybe starting to understand that. I hope so. And he does have to start grooming the next generation. By the way, another point that people made last week was that BB, they suddenly see a, a chink in his armor that he's not as successful as he was. I want to remind people that he was prime minister between 1996 and 1999. And he lost the election in 1999. And a lot of what he did then that cost him the election, I see, I see him doing it yeah, now. Yeah, paranoia. He's not yeah. secure. He's, yeah, he's not. More, more Nixon than he is Churchill in this case, yep. which is unfortunate because I think he's greater than Churchill. Or when, when they uh, eventually he, come down, he, yes. Greater he, than Churchill? He has brought Danny. Israel to a situation that in our entire history, we have never been as strong as Absolutely. we are right now. Absolutely, and that the credit goes to him. But to compare him to Churchill, that saved the whole world. Churchill then said the United States without, saved the without whole comparing, world. Without comparing uh, <laughs> American history to, to, yeah. to Israeli history, um, I think, again, I'm going back to my first uh, uh, say here. Yeah. I said, 
statement. It depends statement. <laughs> it depends on on uh, on the strategy right. and the campaign. Because Danny, let me remind you, you interviewed uh, Netanyahu. Prime Minister Netanyahu a couple of months ago right. when we were, I think, a week before election. Right, exactly a week before. And he was brilliant. Yes, he was. And he was on point. Because I asked him good questions. You asked. You did. Uh, <laughs> right, but he, I asked him about people, victory. And the feedback that we got from the people was, yes. why don't we hear you talk like this yeah. more often? Well, maybe if he gives so we'll him another see. interview, I will be able to do that. It's interesting that we just spoke about Churchill and everything because tomorrow is the 75th anniversary of D-Day, which began the victory of the Allied forces against Nazi Germany and eventually the end of World War II. Today is the 52nd anniversary of the Six-Day War, which was the greatest Israeli victory and Jewish victory. Well, I think I think Yom Kippur was greater, but what brought us back to our ancient homeland. I keep telling people, my grandfather came here from Afghanistan a hundred years ago, about a hundred years ago. He came from Afghanistan, a Jew who was going to return to the land of Israel for him was Judea and Samaria, was Shechem, was Hebron, was Bethlehem, was Jerusalem. In 67, my grandfather, he, he, had, he had purchased a, a, a gravesite in mm -hmm. uh, the Mount of Olives. And for years they told him, uh, Rabbi Daniel uh, Gold, that uh, the, you know, maybe you want to find, he says, no, I put my trust in God, I will be buried there. And he was the first person buried a year after the Six-Day War. He was the first person buried in the Mount of Olives again because he always knew we'd wow. return to our ancient homeland. And that happened 52 years ago in the, in the Gregorian calendar today. And also my personal experience, 37 years ago today, the war, first war in Lebanon began. And it's interesting from our perspective, we have D-Day and the Six-Day War, which were very decisive victories. And ended situations, and then you have the Lebanon War, that Israel was very successful in it also. It went in within a week. We were in Beirut, mm -hmm. the first time we captured a capital of an Arab country. And I believe if we had left and, a week and later... And it, it was also the first war that we, we, we went to the war knowing that it wasn't a, a, a life or death war. That's I, I, I no. There's a debate whether it was. It a, was. Uh, it was. We were confident enough. None of them were life or death wars. Oh. Only only no. the Independence Day. Uh, Six-day no, no, war. I disagree with Daniela, you. Daniela, you believe weren't. me, Israelis who were here at that time, you had these Arab countries. People thought this was the end of the Jewish um, community in the land of well, Israel. Well, so you, you should speak more to the academy because they teach that the only the war that the only war that was a life or death threat on Israel was the Independence War. Okay, but that's academy looking back on this. I do know that the academics are building on the fact that the Israeli military knew that we were much stronger, they were actually anticipating this war, looking forward to it because mm -hmm. they knew of our abilities. But the average person did not know that. All they knew was Maybe in the feeling of the people know. itself, that's, but, no, but, but still listen, that's not, not, not one tiny country, young in the, country. In, in the end, what counts if we won or not? We won because of our military abilities and because of the people. Who and knew the strategy that? behind it. The Nobody strategy, knew. but that's great. It was brilliant. Saying that, we weren't in a state where we were probably going to be annihilated. Only I disagree with well, you. So people say they know how wars are going to start, and academics, with all due respect, they don't know how it ends. You don't know how war is going to end. And it, by it, listen, by chance, this week I wrote, I read somewhere that why did Jordan go into this war? Because you know they they, they were feeling pressured the, to go. But they didn't the, want to. They didn't want to. But what happened was Israel when it when the first strike was our air force. They went under the radars. And the Jordanians mm -hmm. didn't pick up our, our uh, air force that took out the Egyptian and the Syrian air force. And uh, Nasser was saying to King Hussein, telling him that, listen, our bombers are blowing up Tel Aviv right now. So King Hussein 
picked up the phone to the head of the uh, Air Force Intelligence and asked him. And he was at this position where, with the radars, and he was seeing, he didn't know that these were the Israeli planes. Now, they came above the radar on the way back. He saw a whole fleet of aircraft returning, well, coming towards Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. So he says to him, wow. the, the king, <laughs> you know, the, air, the uh, aircraft, uh, yes, the, I see aircraft over Tel Aviv. And so he it just gave, uh, uh, it's, it supported what Nasser was saying to yes, King Hussein. So that's things, true. small saying things like that, that. Saying that Nasser was very, very dominant in the Arab world. Yes. He was so dominant that it was affecting Jordan and the king right. of Jordan felt that he had to also go into the war because Nasser was so strong. Right. And here on the Yom Kippur War, a few years later, seven years later, or six years later, he didn't join the war, and in this case, Israel was in a very difficult Jordan situation. Jordan wasn't also really thrilled to go into the independence war, then that's another point. Well, these are, but the, the issue is here, we're I, talking about... I mark about, a yeah. distinction between uh, these uh, wars and the more modern wars or operation that we have uh, lately, like since the 20... I mean, two decades. Yeah. Um, well, since the war in Lebanon, I it's think almost three decades. Y- yeah, yeah. It's 30, thir- almost four, it's 37 I think, years already. I think already. that even, oh even, God, for ex- old. <laughs> even, <laughs> even Yom Kippur, that, That's true. that is oh, reminded, guys, come on, yeah. let me talk. <laughs> uh, even, even Yom Kippur, that is uh, reminded as, as not such a big victory. For me, it's a big, it's a, it is a I victory because any war that we would have lost that back then, we would have, I think being annihilated. Yes, Israel whether you agree or not with me, Daniela. No, Israel, Israel uh, has Israel cannot afford to lose. I That's do. I do agree that we, if we would have lost, we would be annihilated. Yet I don't think we had it was chance even a chance win. of losing because we were much stronger. The army, the intelligence, the government knew we were much stronger, and there wasn't really a real threat. That we will be annihilated, and that's the wait, difference. Wait, also, that's the difference between the independence war and the other wars of Israel. Right. Taking it from the point where what what you said of the difference between those wars and the wars today, where there isn't a real defined victory because we're fighting not countries, we're fighting terrorist organizations, terrorist and we're fighting a cognitive war and not a physical war. Um, there is is the main difference where you can't really define what is victory in today's terms. Well. Before we go on to that, for a moment, I just want to go back to this regarding in 1967. You do have to remember that, yes, Israel was mighty and everything, but we were um, around 2 million people. You had countries, seven Arab armies that outnumbered us 100 to 1. So when you take on face value of things, Israel was facing unimaginable. Sure, yet you have to go into those armies, those Arab armies, and see how uncoordinated they were and they weren't strong and they didn't know how to, they weren't effective. No, the point I'm trying to make here is that people can use your argument to say, well, you know, Israel is stronger. No, no, we're not in that situation. The fact that we have no other choice but to be strong. And 20 years after the Holocaust, we knew, 22 years after the Holocaust, we knew we had no alternative. And and unlike the point was that now that we have the state of Israel, we are never going to be defenseless again speaking, or helpless again. And that's the difference between sure. speaking of being strong. Speaking yes. of being strong, um, when I was studying at the university, the six-day six war uh, at a point at a standpoint of um, of uh, international relations, Israel's uh, strength. Uh, in the international arena was very, very strong after, after the, the war. Exactly. Yeah. Once and when we, like think about it, when we think about it, we were victorious. We, we got Sinai, we got the Golan Heights, uh, we got Jerusalem. Yes. Guys, we got Jerusalem. And 
for me, it's, it's such a big thing to know that we were so respected back then. Mm-hmm. And then when we, in quotes, Mark, lost the war, in, or didn't lost the war, but didn't, we were not well, that in, victorious in Yom, in Yom Kippur. No, it was perception that, that uh, because we were supposedly invincible and suddenly they show that we're, we're And then the country. international pressure started. Of course, but then it really started after we started making concessions to the Arabs with the peace process. And, and that's, the further uh, we get from the Holocaust, where they don't feel the guilt anymore. Oh, who cares? Nobody feels guilt, and we shouldn't worry about that. Well, in the beginning, no, that guilt the beginning managed to shut them up. Now they don't feel the guilt anymore, and then they allow... They They're back to 2,000 years of anti-Semitism. And yeah, uh, as usual. Yeah, but, you know, nobody like. Does anybody like the French? Does anybody hey. like the Germans? I Does like anybody the like the... Look how America is being vilified. Like and Paris. the United States served... Yeah. Tomorrow... It was American soldiers with the Allies, but basically Americans that 75 years ago set out to help Europe. The Americans weren't under direct threat. We all know that. But still, despite everything the Americans did 75 years later, so it's not a question of people liking or not liking. The question is nobody likes anybody else. And but it's what about all interests. these? But all the exactly. Everybody likes the Irish. I don't know. <laughs> no, the British don't like the Irish. You know that. that, that no, you can the Irish <laughs> don't like the British. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, the thing is that all these countries. Um, they do what is in their own self-interest, and this is what Israel has to do. And you were talking before, Danielle, about how things have changed here. Um, there was an article this week by Ron Benishai, and on my Hebrew program, I had the opportunity to uh, interview him uh, just a while before. He how was a, he? Uh, phenomenal, just like the article. And he wrote a 1,600-word article that today, anybody who knows media today, that's almost unimaginable, in Israeli Ynet. It's not in English, unfortunately. And he says why Israel is not going to win the next war. And he talks about the fact of uh, the psychological things that have changed here, the type of warfare that Daniela, you just mentioned, how wars have changed. And he says that... The fear uh, of losing the f- soldiers. Fear of losing soldiers. And he talks about the fact that um, it's a politicization of security. It's um, disproportionate consideration to lives of the soldiers and to those who've been abducted. The fact that we're fighting, and he says it doesn't matter if it's going to be Hamas, Hezbollah, Syria, or everybody together. He said we may not lose, but we won't win the next war. There won't be a victory because of the way and because of attitudes, because of yes, psychology. The question is, what, what is, is victory? victory? <laughs> no, today, really, we, we fighting, we're, yeah, fighting, yeah. we're fighting Gaza. Okay, so, so let's say we're fighting Gaza. It's more people than... than an actual enemy and they right. are within the civilian population so the only way to call it a victory with the old terms is to go in and to destroy uh, com- Gaza completely or to do a transfer to, to the population what won't happen well, it just but won't that's happen where with so, th- so the question of victory I think is a cognitive um, question do I believe I won does the enemy believe I won? Does the world believe well, the, I won? Well, the enemy, our problem with the enemy is <clears throat> that if, as long as they can still say that they're alive, the last person there will be standing that we won, we won. Um, if no, we, but yeah, it's but not, it's not about what they say. It's about how they feel. Okay, and here's a very interesting thing. Even though there were Egyptians alive after the Yom Kippur War, even though they knew they, they could show that they were victorious compared to what they suffered in 67, six years earlier, Listen, we haven't had another war with Egypt since then. We haven't had, a, and now we have peace with Egypt and with Jordan, and even with Syria that we don't have peace with them, they also haven't been very quick to go back to war with Israel. They've used proxies like Hezbollah, like Hamas, like the PLO. 
But they've all understood how strong. So when you say, Danielle, maybe you're very right with the aspect of cognitive, but who makes that decision? Is it the leaders or is it the public? We spoke last week about the part that, that with Gaza, despite them continuing to show fire missiles at us and all, 20,000 people are looking to escape Gaza now. Isn't that a... And uh, nobody talks about it. Yeah, yes, well. but that's part of it. Um, If people exactly. will mm-hmm. start speaking about that loudly, proudly, maybe then... People will start that's changing why. their mind on where we're standing in front of God. And Gaza. that's why I think it's, what we have to it do. should be a, it should be a mutual effort. It's it we shouldn't Israel speaking. We, yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't focus on only on the leader. We should also on the leadership. We should also focus on the population, yeah. making them understand that it's not worthwhile to continue. And until it happens, then we'll, we won't get peace, we won't get anything because... Any well, some of it is things that we can say to their leadership. And, and for example, today... Yeah, uh, but their, yeah. their, legitima- their legitimization... Yeah. Uh, legitimization of... Yeah, of themselves, of being there is as long as we don't have peace, they are legitimate. Because they get funds, enormous funds by money. I mean, a lot of money okay. to continue this war and... We won't get there with the Iranians, them. the Qataris who are giving uh, the money, and we're we're allowing the money Bibi, to come by in. By the way, for that, yeah, that's unfortunate. And here, for example, this week, the Palestinian Authority uh, refused to pay its electric bill to State of Israel. Now, they're small entities; they're they're hooked up to the Israeli electricity. They get um, besides of all these other services. First off, two warring countries. Who would have ever imagined? Hello, politicization yeah, of the. Yeah. So, and they they're refusing to pay. The bill, which is in several tens of billions of dollars, and this is going back to our pocket as Israeli citizens, and we know that they're not getting money from the United States anymore or from Israel. Israel isn't transferring taxes because the money they get from the United States, Europe, and Israel goes to funding terrorists. And so the Taylor Force Act, which the Israel Victory Congressional Caucus was very instrumental in getting this passed in the United States, that they wouldn't pay the Palestinian Authority as long as the money goes to terrorists. They will not get funds from the United States. Israel also passed a similar type of law that it's limiting. And then the Palestinian Authority last, uh, last month said they don't want to get the money from us. But here they're not paying their bills. So they don't need the money. And what is Israel doing about this? Um, I just, it reminds me that last week we talked about uh, Chaim Ramon's uh, article. Yeah, former and he wrote, Minister of Justice. Yeah, and he wrote that back then when he was in, in the office, um, Hamas was uh, sh- shot- shooting uh, rockets towards the uh, Ashkelon uh, central power. The power station the power that station was that, providing them. That providing them. <laughs> and he said, and he said in the, in the cabinet, uh, uh, security, security cabinet. cabinet, he said, let's, You shot rockets. Let's act as if you succeeded. <laughs> and speaking of politicization and going back to the article of Ron Benishai, they didn't get the the approval of the of the uh, legal adv- the legal advisors exactly, and the, atter- exactly. the attorneys. So so in the end, we are the main problem, and we are the ones that don't let the the don't let us to be victorious. I think as simple as that. I believe that we're in a continuous war with Gaza. It's not only from operation to operation. And I think where we actually judged and measured is between the operations. Meaning we can use force or not use force in, the, in those operations. That won't determine if we win or not. What will determine our victory is the periods between that seem as if they're peaceful, but they are war for speaking about war. There's a lot war, of maneuvering, maneuvering so, going yeah, on. So, so them not paying the bills 
is that period between operations. You're saying it's, that, a, it's an act of war in a sense. An act, yeah, it's an act of war. And there we should put down our fourth and uh, fourth. And that brings us also to the next article that, that you may speak about, um, about if to use force or to wait with the solution. As, we are very as, as condescending in the do. way that we, we behave towards them. Because we think that, oh, they can't pay their bills. Oh, we shouldn't uh, aim I, I to don't know get if that's the money. The I don't know if that's Let's the thought behind that. that. I, I don't know if that's the thought. I just think that we're just giving up and not fighting the war that's really important mm -hmm. between the operations. So in the operations, you can use force or not. It doesn't really matter because you can't define victory. But between the operations, use force. Go and, and get the, ma the money that they owe. Don't give them vehicles. Don't give them guns. Yeah, don't, there, there are sanctions don't, we don't can take be, against yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Put the sanctions between the, the operations. The question is why we don't do that. And no. one of the answers is the security establishment in Israel is very uh, anti-war. I mean, the... The, <laughs> the security is funny. It's, yeah. it's funny They should be that, preparing for war instead. They, they might say to Netanyahu, for example, listen... You want to you want to make them pay their money. They will. We will have but rockets. We will have war. We will have whatever. Who was elected, them or Netanyahu? Good question. So exactly, if but Netanyahu was elected, that's, that's he's the, the one that has well. to put his leg down that's and the main say issue. enough is enough. But here's the the debate in Israel, where between Lieberman, he didn't want to go back to being in the Ministry of Defense unless Netanyahu gave Get him, him the, the free. The yeah, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, that was the reason why. Didn't well, there were other things, but he does say that while he was Minister of Defense, he had his hands, hands tied, tied either by the security establishment or by Netanyahu. And uh, there is truth to that. We're not saying that that's Absolutely. not part of the to the situation. I mean, if it's, it's a central one or not is not relevant to this, to our di discussion but here right now. You were talking about there is a difference between those seeking total victory, um, like uh, Lieberman and or others. Naftali Bennett. Or Naftali Bennett. And Netanyahu, who you mentioned this article. I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but the, 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 there's an article that speaks. It's not an article. We know that Netanyahu's policy has been maintainment. to he contain To contain, yeah, yeah, he said that in the interview exactly. that I had with him. He's king containing them, believing that... And that may be okay, and that may be right. We're actually seeing a lot of results out of it, but that's an operation. Between the operations, he should be strong. And that's what we're not doing. Absolutely. Bottom line, we are the main problem here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's always us. It's always up to us. Yeah, but we have to maybe, and this perhaps finally this election will address that issue, what the public expect from the government to do. And when it comes to, to Gaza, when it comes to the we situation... They have to choose victory. They have to choose victory. We, we agree on that. On the victory project, we're very much in favor of that. Um, it's been a long day. We're before the, the uh, holiday of Shavuot in Israel. We're reaching uh, another holiday here, and this is the last holiday in this whole month since Passover. Yeah. Uh, there were days of May. Oh, we have Tisha B'Av, and it's not, <laughs> yeah, but it's that's not, not a, a nice but, holiday. But we had uh, Memorial Days, and we had days of, of great pride in the state of Israel. And the, uh, this week on the Hebrew calendar was the Jerusalem Day, the day that Jerusalem mm -hmm. was liberated and returned to the Jewish people after 2,000 years. So Shavuot is the, the final holiday here. And then we're going into this whole, the summer, but this summer is not going to be the dog days of summer. This is going to be um, <laughs> an election campaign. So we have a lot to, that we're going to have to deal with. And it's uh, it, it talks more about what separates us and not what's br what brings us together. Um, what we usually do is end it on a, a victorious note. We like to end it with something uh, positive, something that you felt was positive this week. And uh, uh, the, you mentioned it, Jerusalem Day. For Jerusalem me, it's, Day. it's so it. emotional. You mentioned your grandfather yeah. and that he got buried in Jerusalem, right? He right. was the first one. First one after. Well, for me, being able to 
uh, be in Jerusalem and pray at the Western Wall. And mm-hmm. even I, I do go to the Temple Mount. I visit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though not everything is perfect, we are far from it. Um, it's it's always it always touches me deeply when I get to to visit these places because I know that. Not even uh, 70 years from uh, ago, we couldn't. Right. And, and it's amazing because it's 2,000 years. That's what Jerusalem and the Temple Mount and uh, the Western Wall and, and the Temple, that's what kept us, uh, right. our Jewish identity, 2,000 years. And for me, well, that's every time I visit Zionism. Jerusalem... Zionism is one of the words... Going Z- back to Zion. Jerusalem, Zion. Yeah, Zion is one of the names well, of Jerusalem. Exactly. I, think, I think the country should find a way to bring the Jerusalem Day all over because right. in Tel Aviv you don't feel it at all and it's quite upsetting. It is. Uh, three years ago when it's I lived in Jerusalem, we went to the march. We were, you could feel it. You could feel it in the air. It's a holiday. Um, it's happy. <laughs> yeah, but, but here you just... In Tel Aviv you just... Don't you feel don't. it at all. Yeah. You don't feel it at all, and you don't feel connected. And I think that dis- that disconnection also brings people in the end to say, "Well, we'll give up yeah. parts of Jerusalem. Yeah. Who cares?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you ask our ancestors who did not have the benefit of being here like we did, they exactly. to them that was the you dream. You know, I had I had a vikuach. Um, uh, how do you say? An it? Yeah, a, big, a small argument with um, a member of an activist of one of the uh, left organizations here international organization i don't remember right now the name um uh, and i told him and he was it was he was going he was on the streets in jerusalem and he was saying uh, for peace for peace we should do that we should do this and i was like how old are you and he said i'm 15 15 yeah 15 <laughs> okay. 16 uh you were born here yes i wasn't born here who your, your parents were also new immigrants no my grandparents yeah. and that's the difference because he feels that israel is it's, it's like it's yeah, like yeah, it's a definite and, and it, it's the same. Where I was speaking to a friend that's getting married, and and we were speaking about the topic of weddings, and then he said, "I said I want a really small wedding," and he said, "Well, just go overseas and get married." And I said, Why? "No, <laughs> no, my ancestors were praying to to exactly, live here, to get exactly. married here, to they, be born they lost here, it. to something to die here." And, the and I said, "I'm going to get married in Jerusalem, small or not. It's <clears> going to be here, not." Overseas, Right. And the fact that you mentioned that in Tel Aviv you don't feel it, that's exactly the same thing. You don't feel your identity anymore. So you tend to take it for granted. If people lose their identity. Daniela, positive thing that you had this week that we can end on that? Uh, well, Jerusalem yeah, yeah, Day. Jerusalem Day. So we all agree <laughs> that Jerusalem Day was the thing. And happy uh, Shavuot, guys. And happy Shavuot. Also show next week. A lot of milk. All right, you were listening to the Israel Victory broadca- podcast, podcast. <laughs> broadcasted from the Galei Israel studios in Jerusalem. Thank you, Michael Alkerman, again for making this possible. Our technician, Daniela Trobe. Thank you very much. Are you taking a picture of us right now, yeah, Rochelle Tweetou? I am. I'm Daniel Seaman. Thank you all for listening to us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>